Hello, welcome back to The Wire Podcast. I am your host, Ryan McCreary, and today I'm going to be giving a recap of Week 8 of the NFL season. I'm also going to talk about the Henry Ruggs situation, which is extremely sad um, and, and just an awful situation all around. And then I'm going to talk about the college football playoff rankings. Um, those, the first edition of those rankings came out on Tuesday. I'm going to react to them and give you my thoughts on what I, on what I like about them, what I don't like. And then to end the podcast, I'm going to talk about an, an article that was released today on ESPN. Um, and the article goes inside uh, Phoenix Suns owner Robert Sarver's uh, 17-year tenure as the as their owner. And just a lot of all the racism and the misogyny and the sexism um, that, went, that went on in that organization uh, when he was their owner. I don't know if he's the current owner. I think he's their former owner. Um, I don't. He might still be their owner now, um, and if he is their owner, uh, he will be fired after this. But yeah, this whole situation is insane. So I'm going to talk about that. But let's go ahead and get started with the NFL uh, with Week Eight of the NFL season. Go through all the scores. So starting off, starting off with the Thursday night football game, Packers played the Cardinals, um, and, and the Cardinals lost this one. Packers won 24 to 21 on the road. This was a big win for the Packers. They were missing a lot of players. They were missing Devontae Adams. Uh, they were missing, was it um, Marquez? I think MVS was out. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, he was out. Uh, so was, um, who's the other receiver, their third receiver? I'm forgetting his name. Um, uh, Lazard. Um, Lazard, I can't remember his first name, but Lazard was out. They were just missing a ton of guys, but they fought, and their defense played extremely well. Um, they got a few turnovers, got a huge interception on the final play of the game, uh, to win, to prevent the Cardinals from scoring and secure the victory. So, shout out to the Packers, getting a big win here on the road. They are now 7-1 on the season. Um, they, they are just rolling this year, playing really well. And then on Sunday, the Panthers beat the Falcons 19-13 on the road. Matt Ryan did not play very well in this game. Um, and then Panthers were able to win by six games on the road. Huge division divisional win for them. Then the Bills beat the Dolphins 26-11. Um, huge win for the Bills. A division win. The Dolphins continue to struggle. Um, they have not been good this year. They are 1-7 on the season. Um, they have just been extremely disappointing this year. Um, and just They just haven't been good offensively or defensively. They're struggling, but a big win for the Bills. Then the 49ers, they beat the Bears 33-22 on the road. Justin Fields actually had a, a solid game. Not a great game by any means, but a solid game. Um, and mainly where he shined was as a rusher. He had 175 passing yards, one touchdown, one interception. Not very impressive. I had a passer rating, passer rating of 84.7. His passing numbers weren't very impressive, but his rushing numbers were. He had 10 carries for 103 yards and a touchdown. So it's nice to see him uh, be productive as a rusher. That's great to see. Elijah Mitchell played really well in this game at 18 carries, 137 yards and a touchdown. And Jimmy Garoppolo had a very solid day, a, a really good game here, 322 passing yards, 11.5 yards per attempt, no touchdowns, no interceptions, had a QBR of 85.6 though, and a passing rating of 100.6. And then Debo Samuel continues to play extremely well, had eight, sorry, six catches 
for 171 yards, zero touchdowns. Um, he's been awesome this year. So big win for San Francisco. Uh, their offense looked good in this game, and they won by double digits over the Bears on the road. Then moving on, the Steelers beat the Browns 15-10 on the road. The Browns were, they actually, I can't remember if, I'm looking at the box score. Did Baker play? He did play. Uh, but the Browns still struggled. Uh, Baker has a shoulder injury. Um, he did not play that well in this game. Had 225 passing yards, 7.3 yards per attempt, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions, but four sacks. Had a QBR of 53.8 uh, and, a, and a passer rating of 86.1. Big uh, men outplayed him. Had 220, sorry, 266 yards, 7.8 yards per attempt. One touchdown, zero picks, a QBR of 37.7, but a passer rating of 98.4. Najee Harris had a good game, 26 carries, 91 yards, and a touchdown. Big game for Najee Harris. Um, and then Deontay Johnson played pretty well, had six catches, 98 yards, 16.3 yards per, per catch, zero touchdowns, had 13 targets. Deontay Johnson is having... A really good year this year. He's been super good. TJ Watt was amazing in this, in this game. Had uh, six total tackles, one and a half sacks, one tackle for loss, and three QB hits. Cameron Hayward had a pretty good game as well. Had half a sack and two QB hits. And then for the Browns, uh, Miles Garrett had a pretty good game. One sack, two tackles for loss, and two QB hits. Shout out to Miles Garrett and, and TJ Watt, both those guys. Played pretty well in this game. Moving on, looking at the other scores. Um, the Eagles meet, let's see if this is a load. The Eagles beat the Lions 44-6 on the road. They just destroyed the Lions. Like, they dominated them, uh, beating them by uh, 38 points. Huge blowout, blowout victory for them. And Jalen Hurts has a very interesting stat line. He wasn't super productive as a passer, uh, completed 9 of 14 passes, so he didn't attempt a lot of passes. Had 103 passing yards, 7.4 yards per attempt, 0 touchdowns, and 0 interceptions. Uh, but he didn't take a single sack. He had a QBR of 93.7, which is amazing. And he had a passer rating of 86.3. And he wasn't super productive as a rusher. I mean, he was productive, but nothing insane. Had 7 carries for 71 yards. 10.1 yards per, per carry, and zero touchdowns. So I'm not really sure how his QBR was so high, um, but it was. And, I mean, he was productive as a rusher, but he wasn't super productive as a passer. I guess what uh, kept his QBR so high is that he didn't turn the ball over, um, and he didn't take any sacks. So that helped it out. But the fact that he wasn't super productive, I thought, I would think, would, uh, would hinder his QBR. But it did not, um, the, the Lions offensively were terrible. They had six points that all came in the fourth quarter when they were down by a ton. Um, did anybody really play well offensively in this game? TJ Hawkinson, he had 10 catches for 89 yards, zero touchdowns on 11 targets. Um, defensively, did anybody play super well? Josh Sweat had two sacks, two tackles for loss, and two QB hits. Um, Derek Barnett had two QB hits. Uh, Ryan Kerrigan had two QB hits. No one really played that well for uh, the Lions. Uh, no, nobody had an interception in this game. 
Um, I get so were there any turnovers? They had like the Lions had to have turned the ball over, right? To to have lost by thirty eight points, they had to turn the ball over, right? Yeah, they turned the ball over once. I guess they fumbled the ball. Um, the the Eagles did have a defensive or a special teams touchdown. Um, so that turnover plus that helped them out. But they weren't very good offensively. Um, and they did have some success running the ball. Both Boston Scott and Jordan Howard had uh, two touchdowns. Both of them had two rushing touchdowns. So that's great. But a, w- a weird game for the Eagles, winning by 38 points, but not being super productive offensively. Um, and, and not not having a ton of turnover luck or, or a ton of luck on special teams. But they still uh, they blew out the Lions. Moving on, the Titans beat the Colts 34-31 to in overtime. Big win for the Titans. Now, I will say, we have some bad news. Derrick Henry did get hurt in this game. He broke a bone in his foot and will be out, I believe, 8-10 to 10 weeks. So he's going to miss a lot of time. Um, and that is going to be, like, if he misses eight weeks, that'll be just about the entire regular season. Now, he should, he may be able to come back for the playoffs, um, but he also may be out for the entire season. We don't know yet, but that sucks to see. Derrick Henry was on fire this year, was an MVP candidate, and would likely, if he didn't win MVP, he was almost certainly going to win uh, the Offensive Player of the Year award. But he's out uh, for most of the season. Hopefully, he returns for the playoffs. Moving on, moving along, the Jets upset the Bengals 34-31 uh, at home. Big win for the Jets. And I just got to give a shout-out to Mike White filling in for Zach Wilson. He played out of his mind. Had a, a 405 passing yards, three passing touchdowns. Did have two interceptions, um, which decreased his QBR to 54.1. But he had a passer rating of 107.9, which is really good. Um, and the fact that he had 405 yards and three touchdowns is just incredible. So shout out to him. And Michael Carter played well, had 15 carries, 77 yards, and a touchdown. He also had nine catches for 95 yards. Incredible production from, from their rookie running back, Michael Carter. And he has been really, really good um, as of late. So... If he's available in, in your fantasy league, he shouldn't be on the waiver wire, but if you can trade for him, it wouldn't be a bad idea. If you need an RB2 or if you need a flex, get Michael Carter. He has been really, really productive the last couple of weeks. Uh, but a rough loss for the Bengals. They were rolling uh, before this. They were 5-2 and two on the season. Now they're 5-3 and three, um, with a loss to the Jets. That's tough. Uh, but shout out to the Jets getting a win. This has been a rough year for them, a rough season. Um, they've done a lot of losing, but it's nice to see them get a win here, especially with Zach Wilson hurt. And moving on, the Rams beat the Texans 38-22 on the road. Uh, huge performance from, their, from the Rams' offense. The Texans had a backdoor cover in this game. They scored 22 points in the fourth quarter alone. Uh, to get the backdoor cover here, they were they were I guess, I think the Rams were favored by um, sixteen and a half, and the Texans and they won by sixteen points. So the Texans had a backdoor cover here. Yep, I'm looking at the line. The Rams were sixteen and a half point favorites, only won by sixteen. So shout out to the Texans for getting the backdoor cover. 
Good teams win. Great teams cover. The Rams are not a great team. They failed to cover. The Patriots got a huge win on the road against the Chargers. They won 27-24. Huge win for them. Let's see if any who all played well in this game. Uh, Matt Jones didn't have a great game. Had 217 passing yards. 6.2 yards per attempt. Zero touchdowns. Zero interceptions. Had a QBR of 52.7 and a passer rating of 70.8. Damian Harris was pretty productive, had 23 carries, 80 yards, and one touchdown. Um, Justin Herbert did not have a great game here, had 223 passing yards, uh, 6.4 yards per attempt, two passing touchdowns, but two interceptions. And those turnovers really ki- killed his QBR. He had a, QB- a QBR of 15.9 and a passer rating of 66 Point seven, rough game for him. Um, no one was super productive as a receiver. Let's see, did anybody play super or play well defensively? Matthew Judon had a had a pretty good game. Had one and a half sacks, one tackle for loss, and three QB hits. Um, let's see, anybody had multiple QB hits? No. Anybody have multiple sacks? No. Lawrence Guy had a sack. Um, and then moving on for the Chargers. Let's see, did anybody have multiple QB hits? No, did anybody have a sack? I mean, Jerry Tillery had a sack. Um, we'll see anybody else. Hmm, nope. They only have one sack. So shout out to the Patriots winning this game 27-24. They scored 11 points in the fourth quarter to win this game. Shout out to the Patriots. Big win for them. And then how many games do we have left? We shouldn't have that many. Yeah, we have a few games. So the, uh, the Seahawks beat the Jaguars. 31-7 and blew them out at home. Big win for them without Russ. I know the Jaguars are struggling, but still have the Seahawks without Russell Wilson. So it's nice to see them get a big blowout victory here at home. The Broncos beat Washington 17-10. Um, a big win for the Broncos. They're 4-4 four four in the season. Got a big uh, seven-point victory at home. The Saints got a huge win at home against the Buccaneers. They won 36-27. One by nine, by nine points, huge victory for them. But we do we have more bad news. Jameis Winston has a season-ending ACL injury. Um, we hate to see that, uh, but we love to see we love to see the Saints come out as an underdog in this game and get the big nine-point victory. Shout out to the Saints, huge win at home. They're now five and two on the season. The Buccaneers are six and two on the season. Um, big win for the Saints. The Cowboys on Sunday Night Football, they they beat the Vikings 20-16 to without Dak Prescott. Huge win for the Cowboys with Cooper Rush at quarterback. And Cooper Rush actually had a really good game. He had 325 passing yards, 8.1 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, one interception, had a passer rating of 92.2 and a QBR of 44.7. Not bad for a guy who was just thrown in there um, last minute. Um, huge, huge game for Cooper Rush. And what a disappointing performance from the Vikings. Kirk Cousins really struggled. He had 184 yards, one touchdown, zero picks, had 5.3 yards per, per attempt. Um, he also got sacked uh, one time, um, had a QBR of 36.5, and a pass rating of 88.3. Rough game for him and the Vikings offense. They were only able to score 16 points. That's rough. Did anyone play good defensively 
for either team. Randy Gregory had three QB hits um, along with one sack. And then for the Vikings, you know, Cameron Dantzler had two pa- two pass deflections. Um, Everson Griffin had two QB hits along with a sack. Um, KJ Osborne had a, sorry, I almost said he had a pick. That's not interceptions. Xavier Woods, he had an interception. Um, so shout out to the Cowboys getting a big win on Sunday night football. And then on Monday night, the Chiefs played the Giants. This was a really close game. The Chiefs uh, pulled out a, a, a tight victory, winning 20-17, to 17, winning by three points. The Chiefs' offense struggled once again. But in the end, they came through, um, and they were able to win this game 20-17. to 17. Shout out to them. Tyreek Hill played really well, had 12 catches for 94 yards and a touchdown. And Patrick Mahomes, let's look at his numbers. He had 275 yards, 5.7 yards per attempt, one touchdown, one pick. Um, not, a, not a great game for him. He had a QBR of 19.3 and a passer rating of 74.6. Did he have any fumbles? I'm looking to see. Um, he did have a fumble, but he didn't lose it. Uh, the Chiefs only had one lost fumble. Um, anybody else play well for them as a receiver besides Tyreek Hill? Not really. Um, and it, this was, uh, it was just completely, um, it's kind of surprising that the Giants were, were really competitive in this game because they were missing a lot of guys. Like, their, their number one receiver in this game, um, in terms of targets, was Sterling Shepard, but he got hurt in this game. And then the, the guy with the second most targets was Devontae Booker, then Canarius Tony, then John Ross. John Ross actually had the most receiving yards in this game with 72. Um, and it's funny, and two guys with under 20 receiving yards led them in touchdowns. That's Evan Ingram and Kyle Rudolph, who combined for 27 total pa- uh, receiving yards. Uh, they also both had a touchdown apiece. Shout out to them. Um, big win for the Chiefs. They've been struggling the last couple of weeks. They had a huge blowout loss last week against the Titans, but they came back and won at home this week. So shout out to them. But those are all the scores uh, from the end of, from the end, from week eight of the NFL season this week. Um, tonight, the who's playing? It's let's look. It's the Jets and the Colts, right? Yes, the Jets and the Colts are playing tonight at 8.20. Um, it's going to be in Indianapolis. The Colts are 10-point favorites. The over-under is 45, uh, so make sure to watch that. I know it's probably not going to be a great game, but, you know, I am mentally unwell. I love football, so I will be watching this game. Um, I can't wait for that. You know, it's probably going to suck, but, hey, I'm ready. Now let's move on, talk about the college football playoff rankings. Um, I... I'm going to look at the college football playoff rankings. I have them pulled up. So here are the top six. This is all we're going to look at. You know, should we look in the top ten? Sure, let's look at the top ten. So number ten is Notre Dame. Number nine is Wake Forest. Number eight is Oklahoma. Number seven is Michigan. Number six is Cincinnati. Number five is Ohio State. Number four is Oregon. Number three is Michigan State. Number two is Alabama. And number one is Georgia. So, here are the playoff rankings in top 10. Uh, I don't like these rankings. Um, it's really, I really don't like the rankings overall. But in the top 10, there are some things that I like. Um, there are some things I don't like. What do I like? I like that Michigan State is in the top four. I like that the committee 
um, you know, rewarded them for being undefeated and having a big win against Michigan. And when you look at um, metrics like strength of record, the Michigan State has the second-ranked strength of record. Um, they rank top 10 in game control. Now, FPI doesn't love them. F- they rank 15th in terms of FPI. Um, that's really like total efficiency between like offense, defense, and special teams. FPI is just a measure of how good teams are um, in terms of efficiency. Michigan State does rank 15th in that metric. Uh, but the committee historically has cared a lot about strength of record and game control. Um, so to see to see uh, Michigan State be rewarded for, for winning all their games and having a big win against Michigan last week, I like to see that. And if I were making my own rankings, I would have had Michigan State in my top four. Uh, would they have been three? I don't know, but I like the ranking. Alabama being number two, they're seven and one. This one I'm iffy on because if you look at numbers like strength of record, Alabama has the fourth-ranked strength of record. They rank second in game control, and they rank second in the FPI. Based on that, they are a top-four team, and honestly, I think they have a pretty good argument for being the second-best team in college football. However, I think we have to punish them for losing to Texas A&M at home, a game in which they were favored by double digits. I think you have to, um, you, you got, you gotta, you know, they have to be ranked lower because of that. Um, so I, I would not have had, I would not have ranked them top two, but I do understand based on like FPI, game control, strength and record, those kinds of metrics. Um, but I think they should be, you know, um, penalized for losing to Texas A&M. So I would have had them inside the top four, but I probably would have had them ranked third or fourth just because they did lose to um, Texas A&M. Georgia being number one, this was an easy choice. Georgia has been the best team in college football. They've won every single game. They have big wins. Uh, they've been dominant. Like they, they are easily the number one team in college football, and no one's arguing that. Uh, number four, Oregon. This ranking, I don't like at all. Oregon does not rank, um, like, they don't have a strong resume in terms of these metrics like strength of record. They have the 10th ranked strength of, strength of record. They have the 8th ranked game, they rank 8th in game control. And they rank 20th in FPI. And along with that, they they are 7-1, which is good, but they have a terrible loss to Stanford. Um, I know they beat Ohio State early on this season, um, but they are not, I don't think they're a top four team. I don't think they're one of the four best teams in the country, and I don't think they have the resume to be ranked inside the top four. They should be penalized to, uh, for losing to Stanford, so I don't agree with them being top four whatsoever. I know they lost to Ohio State, but I would have had Ohio State ranked ahead of Oregon, and guess what? If you want, if you say that you have to have Oregon ranked ahead of, ahead of Ohio State because Oregon beat Ohio State, whatever. If you do that, then neither Oregon nor Ohio State should have been ranked in the top four, and Cincinnati should have been should have been ranked, um, should have been in that fourth spot. Uh, but uh, who? If and I don't really know who I would have had at four. I probably would have had. 
Hmm. It would have been either Cincinnati or, or Ohio State. And it probably I wouldn't put I wouldn't put Cincinnati there at four, and I probably would have put Ohio State at five, uh, and at six I would have had like I don't know like may, probably like I don't know I don't know I don't know I I just can't put Oklahoma in the top six. They're undefeated, but their strength of their strength of record is good, but the game their game control sucks. Their strength of schedule is awful. Um, and because their game control is not very good, I would have ranked them lower. Uh, but I was kind of surprised that the committee didn't rank them higher because I know the committee uh, cares a lot about strength of record. And Oklahoma ranks third in strength of record. They also rank fourth in FPI. So I'm a bit surprised that Oklahoma isn't higher uh, than eighth. Uh, but I do like this ranking. This is one of the better rankings here, in my opinion. I like Oklahoma being penalized for not dominating against poor competition. I like that. And they did the same thing with Cincinnati. The last couple of weeks, Cincinnati has not dominated against the lesser competition, and they were penalized for that. And I'm fine with that. And I have been on the Cincinnati train all season long. I would have advocated for them being in the top four, but I get why they're not. They rank... They rank Sixth in strength of record, they rank 11th in game control, and they rank seventh in FPI. So I, you know, I would have, I'm fine with them being outside the top four. Seeing these numbers, you know, I'm fine with that. I'm okay with it. Them being inside the top, being outside the top four, is okay in my opinion. But I also care about resume a little bit along with these numbers, and I think their resume is really good to have a great win against Notre Dame. I think they have an elite offense, an elite defense. Um, I get these numbers like strength of record, game control, and FBI don't love them. So I wouldn't put them at number four. And and I wouldn't I wouldn't have had them number two or number three. However, um, I think number four is a good spot for them. Um, I think you have to reward them for, for their resume, which is really good in my opinion. Uh, they're undefeated. Um, they rank top 11 in game control. And they have a great win against Notre Dame, but them being them having um, like them not being in the top four in any of those metrics does hurt them, in my opinion, or it should hurt them, in my opinion. So I would have had them either at number four or outside the top four. Um, so I think Cincinnati being at six is completely fine. I like everything else really. Wake Forest being at nine is fine. I know they're undefeated, but their strength of schedule sucks. Um, I'm I'm a little bit surprised that they aren't ranked a little bit higher because they have a top five strength of record. They are top five in game control, but they are 26th in FPI. And because of that, I think the committee is saying, you know, we respect their resume. We respect the fact that they have gone 8-0. They're undefeated. They haven't lost a game yet, but they have a really bad strength of schedule and they rank extremely low in FPI. So we're going to rank them nine. I respect that. And then I like Notre Dame being 10. Um, these rankings, what I don't like is everything else about these rankings. Like, um, let's see, who is really high that shouldn't be high? Mississippi State is ranked top 17. They're ranked 17th. I don't like that at all. They have some bad losses. Uh, Minnesota is top 20. There are just some, some rankings that I, I don't, that I think don't make a whole lot of sense. There are some teams that missed out that probably shouldn't have. Um, I'm looking to see who missed out. 
um, who like just missed out. Um, Iowa State maybe could have made it, and then they make it in the rankings. They did not. There were just some rankings that I didn't like at all. Pittsburgh is still top twenty-five. I don't think I like that. Um, I, I I get that Pittsburgh does rank really high in FPI, but they have some rough losses, and I think they should be penalized for that. So I don't know if they're a top twenty-five team. Uh, there's just some inconsistency within the rankings. Like they rewarded Oregon um, for whatever reason. I just don't. I don't think Oregon being ranked top four makes any sense whatsoever. Their their resume isn't that great. They don't rank very high in strength of record, game control, or FPI. So I don't really get why Oregon is ranked this high. It makes no sense. And you know, I think the committee cares a lot about the top four, including the best, the four best teams in the country. And 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 if they wanted to do that, then they should have had Ohio State over Oregon. And if they didn't want to do that, if they wanted to have Oregon ranked over Ohio State. Why not have Oklahoma top four? Because Oklahoma does rank really highly in FPI and uh, strength of record. Now, I think Oklahoma being eight is good. I like that a lot. But I think there, there just needs to be more consistency. So I don't like I don't like Alabama being number two. I would have ranked Alabama a bit lower. I get Alabama being ranked number two, but I think we do have to penalize them a little bit for losing to Texas A&M. I would have had Alabama probably at three or four, and then had Cincinnati number three or number four. Um, I would have had Michigan State number two. Um, because I do think resume matters. I also, I do think that like strength of record, FPI, that stuff does matter, but I also think resume matters. And look, I mentioned this on, my, on the last episode of this podcast, making the rankings is hard. It is not easy at all. It's very difficult. The, the committee has a tough job, but I think the committee needs to come out and just say, this is what we look for. This is what the rankings are for because there's a lot of inconsistency, a lot of rankings that don't make sense in my opinion. And, you know, they there isn't a, a concrete, you know, um, you know, there aren't rules for this. I'm kind of, I can't think of the word. I'm having a brain fart. But there's not a list of things that the committee looks at that's concrete. It's really, like, we're really left in the dark here. We don't know what they're looking for. Um, so I wish they would just come out and say, here's what we're looking for. Uh, we're looking at your strength of schedule, your strength of re- record, uh, FBI, eye test, stuff like that. I wish they would just come out and say it. Um, because this is the fact that they haven't just leaves us in the dark. Um, and I think that these rankings show that, um, the college football is, you know, I'm going to have a hot take. You know, I wanted to, I, I thought about tweeting this earlier, but I wanted to save this hot take for the podcast. And here we go. I think that college football is by far the worst sport slash sports league in America. Because um, the way we rank teams is awful. There is a, a extremely obvious power dynamic in college football. We have the elite programs, the blue bloods like Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma. Those guys, guys like the teams like that, programs like that, they rule college football. And it shows up in the rankings. I mean, Alabama is given a lot of leeway every single year in the rankings. There was one year where they lost two games, didn't even win their division, and still made the playoffs. And you know why? It's because they're Alabama. 
it's because they're Alabama. If if Cincinnati in that year, if Cincinnati that year would have lost, and I believe it was in 20, 2017, that year if, if if Cincinnati had lost two games and not won their division in the SEC, they wouldn't have made the playoff. But because it's Alabama, and because Alabama is perceived to be you know the king of college football, they're perceived to have a lot of talent, and they're a talented team. Uh, they're given they're given the benefit of the doubt, which is something that Cincinnati, you know, other smaller teams like Wake Forest, they're not given the benefit of the doubt for, which sucks. And because of that, and because we give all the power to this group of people who have active ties to programs, you know, we get rankings that suck and that are extremely biased towards the elite programs in college football. So the group of five is just screwed. I mean, you're never going to get a fair shot at the playoff. If you're a group of five team, I don't know what you have to do to make the playoff. I guess you're just going to have to get lucky with your scheduling. And and hopefully you get three top 25 wins. And even then, I don't know if you're going to get into the top four. Because what the committee is basically here for, in my opinion... Uh, is not to put together a playoff uh, that rewards teams based on how they played during the season. That's not what the playoff is for, and it's never meant for that. What it's for is making the most amount of money uh, humanly possible for the NCAA, um, and just you know trying to get the most out of these out of these TV deals and putting together matchups in the playoff that will bring in the most amount of money that will attract the most eyeballs, and therefore. Uh, bring in a ton of money. That's what they're here for, in my opinion. That, and I think it's extremely obvious. College football is a joke. It's the worst sport in, in the United States. Easily. Easily. The way we rank teams, the way we put together our playoff here in this sport is a joke. The committee is a is is laughable. It is a huge joke. And these rankings that they put out every single year are a slap in the face of teams who aren't the blue bloods like Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. If you are not those teams, you are at a severe disadvantage because your name, um, you just don't have, you just don't get the benefit of the doubt that teams like Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and Clemson do. You're not going to get the benefit of the doubt because you're not an elite program like this. And they're, they're not going to show you bias. Like, they're extremely biased towards these programs. And it sucks. It sucks. It makes the sport worse. And the committee needs to know, like, it, it, there is no longer a need for the committee. We need to go back. And maybe we don't go back to BCS. I think the BCS system would be exponentially better than this. But I don't think there should be a, hum- a human component at all. I would rather a computer pick the playoff rankings. I would. Because humans are idiots. We're stupid. Like, just being completely honest, us humans are morons. And we cannot put together um, a playoff that rewards teams for actually playing well on the field during the season. We have biases. And the way to not let these biases affect the playoff rankings is by not letting us, you know, create them. Let's let a computer create them. Let's let a computer, you know, kind of use stats, use these metrics to, you know, rank each team's resume and adjust for things like strength of schedule and stuff like that. And because I know that, you know, there's a a schedule imbalance among Power 5 and Group of 5 teams, 
But there's got to be a way to adjust for that. And a computer can do that. So I think we need to let a computer pick the rankings every single year. And I think we no longer have a need for a committee. The committee sucks. These rankings suck. And college football as a whole sucks right now because of the committee. In my opinion. And that's just my opinion. But I've talked way too too much about this. I've been ranting long enough. Let's talk about the Henry Ruggs situation. So yesterday, um, Henry Ruggs was involved in a car accident. Um, and he was arrested. He was involved in a car accident that killed uh, the other person who was involved besides him. And it came out that he, he was actually arrested because he was driving under the influence um, and he was charged with driving with a DUI that led to the death of another human being. And we got, and there was some more, uh, some more, um, you know, information came out about the re- the accident itself, itself. So apparently Henry Ruggs was, had a blood alcohol con a BAC of like point, um, which is double the legal limit. He was driving 156 miles per hour at the time of the incident. He was driving 127 miles per hour when the airbags deployed. And when he hit the other car, the other car caught on fire. And the lady who was in it uh, was trapped. She, she couldn't escape. And so she burned to death. And she also had a dog in the vehicle with her. And that dog ended up dying. And this is just a... A very sad situation. You hate to see it. Um, you hate you, you. You you. I mean, it, it makes me hurt for the family of that woman who passed away. Um, and you hate to see someone like Henry Ruggs be be so foolish and be so stupid. And this is easily avoidable. This situation could easily uh, have been avoided had he just called an Uber. You know, apparently, reportedly, he took. Um, and this is something that I saw on social media today, so I'm not going to say this, this isn't a fact, uh, this isn't confirmed, but I have heard reportedly that he had, uh, drank 18 shots at Top Golf before this incident, and the fact that he did that and still decided to get behind the wheel is just incredibly stupid, um, and, and he deserves to go to jail, um, and I just feel awful for, for the family of that woman. This is a terrible situation that easily could have been avoided. And, you know, I, I feel bad. I, I hate to see a guy with as much potential as Henry Ruggs waste that potential because he was having a really good season this year. Uh, but he ruined it. His career is ruined. His career is done. And, you know, he deserves it. I mean, he, he made the decision to get behind the wheel while under the influence, while drunk, and he took another life. So, he deserves to go to jail, um, and he will. He will go to jail for a, a very long time, um, and he de- he deserves that. You gotta, you know, there are consequences for your actions, so he deserves that. But I don't want to focus primarily on him. I want this story to be about uh, the woman that he killed. Uh, you know, it's about her mainly, in my opinion. You know, a a, a woman who was just driving with her dog. Um, was you know taken was killed by someone who was self who was doing something selfish driving um what after drinking a, a ridiculous amount of alcohol you just hate to see it i mean she was innocent she didn't she didn't deserve this and it sucks so i just pray for her family for her for her family that they're able to to get through this situation i know it's really tough 
Um, I hope they can find peace somehow. You know, it sucks, but yeah, I just wanted to talk about that a little bit. Um, and then to finish off the podcast, let's talk about this wild story involving um, the Phoenix Suns owner, Robert Sarver, and his 17-year tenure as their owner. This this article is unbelievable. It was posted today. And I've seen a lot of expose article pieces in my in, in, over the last couple of years. I have never seen an expose piece this long. It is unbelievably long. It took a, a, a good a good amount of time for me to read this. And some of the stuff in this article is just it's absolutely disgusting. Um, Robert Sarver, I'm gonna be completely honest. I, I mentioned this at the beginning of this podcast. I don't know if he if he's their active owner. Um, I think he is. I don't think he's been fired yet. I think he likely will be fired after this uh, after this investigation um, that the NBA um, will will open up um, if he is still their active owner. Uh, but the stuff included in this article is disgusting. I mean, it mentions him using the N word. Uh, there's accusations of him being extremely sexist and misogynistic. Um, it, there's um, accusations of him treating women in the workplace like objects, like he owned them. Um, just really, really awful stuff. You, there's accusations of him, you know, you know, making jokes like mooning somebody uh, and making other people uncomfortable. There was a story in here about a time where there was a meeting where he showed a pic, where he, you know. He showed everybody a picture of his wife in a bikini and was making disturbing jokes about about what she would do with him sexually um, and made jokes about him having to use a, a extra-large condom. Like, it's extremely weird and disturbing stuff here and is included in this article. Just extremely disgusting. Um, There's also, you know, it talk, this article talks about how his, his actions led to other people also treating people poorly. There, there was a portion in this article where um, someone, an employee in the organization, assaulted another woman, another female employee, and there was nothing done about it, which is terrible. I feel, I feel awful for that lady, for that woman who had to go through that. Um, just a lot of terrible stuff here in this, in this article. And, and it sounds like, you know... That this was that the Phoenix Suns organization is extremely toxic, and it all starts with Robert Sarver. And because of his actions, he has enabled other people to act in a way that is just not not right and not acceptable. Um, I know, and and it talks about in this article, employees felt feel like they can't go to HR, they can't talk about this, um, in fear of losing their jobs and being blacklisted and not being able to get another job in the industry, and that's terrible. If, a, if a, a, an owner of a franchise like Robert Sarver is acting this way, the employees should not feel as if they can't feel, they should not feel like they can't go talk to somebody about it in fear of losing their jobs. That's crazy. It's crazy that these people felt like that because of this man, because Robert Sarver is just an insane person um, who is, you know, addicted to to power and just on a power trip and treats people this way. It's ridiculous if this happens. Um, you know, Robert Sarver should be ashamed. 
and he should no longer be allowed to have anything to do with the NBA. He should be fired um, as soon as they open up an investigation and go through that. He should be fired, and he should no longer be allowed um, to be involved in the NBA. This article is disgusting. And at the end of this article, one employee said that she she literally con- con- contemplated ending her own life as a result of, of working um, in the Phoenix Suns organization. That's, in, that's crazy. That is unreal. I have never heard someone say that about work that their experience working in uh, the working in a sports um, within a sports teams or within a sports organization that their experience was so bad that they contemplated ending their own life. That's crazy. A, a lot of people involved in the article mentioned how their experiences within the Suns organization really caused them mental mental like caused them to have mental health issues like anxiety stress like um it's just it's crazy everything involved in the article i would recommend you go read it and you know warning there is some deep dark stuff in here it's 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 hard to get through but it's just it's crazy what went on under uh, during robert sarver's 17 year tenure that's crazy he was the owner for 17 years and stuff like this was happening for nearly two decades. That's unbelievable. I feel awful for everyone involved in this situation. I hope Sarver is never allowed to be involved in the NBA ever again. I hope he's fired. I hope he's removed as their owner. And this is sad, and I feel bad for everyone involved. But yeah, that's all I have for today's episode. I know we had some dark topics, and this is a bit of a sad episode. Um, but I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you, I hope you liked what I had to say about, you know, the Henry Ruggs situation and the Robert Sarver article. But anyway, that's it for this episode. If you want to see more content from me, you can check out my website at thewiresports.com. You can check out my podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you want to talk to me on social media, you can hit me up on Instagram and Twitter at the Ryan McCrary. That's the R-Y-A-N. M-C-C-R-A-R-Y. Uh, my, my, my handle is the same for both Twitter and Instagram. But yeah, that's it for the, today's episode. And I will see y'all next time. Peace.